I get to be Jean Hall today. <laughs> the Lord has called him to a rest today. And so he is in his what his what everybody's seen the movie War Room, right? Have you seen? Did you like it? Wasn't it really good? Jean's in his war room today. <laughs> I love it because you know the Lord will sanctify us and called us set apart in certain movements of time. And you know what? We are in that time. There is such an intensity of transition that's happening in the body of Christ because God's moving. He's moving his plan on. And when he moves his plan on, we have to know he is God. We're not God. He is God. And that through Jesus and the Holy Spirit within us, we get to help move that plan. Why? Because we're his prophets. We get to speak Man, the Lord, when he was really revealing, we went away and did like a ministry retreat for a couple days with just Carrie, Paige, Gene, Zenny, and myself. And, you know, it's awesome the revelation that you get as he's wanting to open up a new move in him. And you know what? We're not always prepared for that move. Sometimes we think we are, <laughs> but we're not always prepared because if we knew everything, then we would already plan and be prepared. And what he's trying to do is change something in us. So everything's always about a change. We're always up at that threshold, that doorway where change happens. And the only person that can get us through that door is Jesus. Because Jesus is the door. He really is the one that if we spend time with him, he starts getting and building that trust of our soul and spirit to work as one as we move through the door. There's the spirit of truth that bubbles in us, but there's the truth of the spirit that actually has to connect and move. And he does what? The impossible. With man, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And so to get through that door, you have to get through it with faith and with grace. And Gene has a lesson that he has asked me to... Um, teach out to you today. So this is from Gene and he, it is called, have you accessed grace yet? And so we can stand in a room and not have access into the things in that room. Now, have you ever entered into something? I know. <laughs> I like this. Have you ever stood in a place and not have known how to use the things in that place? Just think about it when you come to school as a kindergartner. You walk into a classroom and you're like wowed with all the manifested colors and the stations and a desk and all these things. But when you come into kindergarten, you don't know how to use your cubby. You do not know how to use the art department. You do not know how to use the manipulatives. And when you see what's out in the playgrounds, wow, there's some cool stuff that, you know what I mean, that accessing grace opens up a door to enter in a joy. See, he wants to take our sorrow and he wants to fill it with joy, a joy that nobody can take away when he comes. And so we can stand in a room and not have access into the things in that room. I can stand in a room and not know what is in the cabinets in that room. I am standing. We are actually standing in the kingdom of God, but we have not completely accessed everything that's in that kingdom. We have not accessed what is rightfully ours in that kingdom. And so we talk about this. To get in to access what is your promise, you have to go through a doorway of change. There has to be something, but it's only grace that can get you through there. 
We are in a, in a time, and I know that everybody's experienced this this year, where God wants to reveal himself in a mighty way. He really wants to reveal himself. He wants us not to just know about his glory. He wants us to experience the glory. And that is what the kingdom that we have not completely accessed yet. Because we don't, like, we have a lot of hope. We have hope. It says hope does not what? Disappoint. Because the love of God is poured upon us by the what? The Holy Spirit right? It's the Holy Spirit that as you start tapping into that, and it's a breathing, I know everybody in here is a pastor. It's a breathing, it's a life-giving spirit. And that when our soul can start connecting onto all those things in the kingdom, we will experience the glory of God. And you know, Lord wants all of us to experience his glory. What is his glory? Actually experiencing something you could not do. And I love that. He's going to process you for that experience because he's not going to give you something that you're going to have sorrow in. He wants you to have the fullness of his joy. And in that, we experience his glory because he accomplishes something in us that we could not do. He accomplishes something for us that we could not experience. Romans 5.1. So have you accessed grace yet? Have we really accessed grace? Grace wants to get us whole. It wants to get us restored. Everybody has been born with something purposed here on the earth. Your life is not a waste. Your ministry is not a waste. Now, we can feel the battles of it because it's the battle here of the mind. But the spirit of truth knows it. Do we access? Because what does it say about the Holy Spirit? He is the what? The guarantee of all truth. Now, that was, that's heavy. So I am already a carrier of grace. I'm already the carrier of the truth. So no matter what I step into, if I invite in that Holy Spirit and follow his instruction, which is not going to be what? My instruction. He is going to work something that I couldn't get, but will give me such fullness of joy in him. Because that's what everybody wants. Everybody wants to be in love, right? Everybody wants to be happy. Everybody wants to have what? Joy. Everybody wants to receive do you know what I mean? We want those things. We're born for that. So grace is supposed to restore us to wholeness. Romans 1.5 says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So therefore, having been justified, you have to believe that you have been justified. And it doesn't make a difference what sin what has happened in your life, when you've accepted Christ in your heart, you accepted that in, in faith because that doesn't mean you know everything about that realm. Okay, but once you accepted it, he said he stamps us as what? Justified. He is not worried about the past. He's not worried about anything. He's worried, how will you move forward with me? You know, and John said, there's a grace upon grace. And the first grace is when he comes to us and gives us an unmerited favor we do not deserve. We do not deserve it, but we were already justified to do what? Receive it. And we receive it in such a way we see differently. But then there's the next level of grace, and that's now working with him in a covenant relationship. And that means the Holy Spirit's going to guide you. He's going to teach you. He's going to instruct you. But you have to stand knowing 
that you have been what? Justified by faith. That we have what? Peace. If we're walking around without that peace, then you know you have entered into a realm of justifying yourself and you're balancing it. You're being tossed to and fro, to and fro. It is a supernatural experience to know that you're justified in the faith of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's a supernatural knowledge of experience. I mean, I have to say it to myself, don't think about the past. Keep moving forward. I am justified. You know, everybody wants to bring up your past. Everybody wants to bring up your failures. Everybody wants to remind you of those things. Then what we do, we get in the cycle of deception. We, get, we become victims of our past. And we don't become forward movers towards our future. Christ died to give us what? A future and a hope. And he hasn't changed his way. That's what's so awesome. The kingdom of God is stable. It is fertile. It is a promised land. But he says, I'm going to give you this grace, unmerited. But then I'm going to give you unmerited as we work together, building our relationship. You can be saved and have eternal life. And you know, you can believe in Christ. And if you don't advance in your relationship with him, you are missing out on the kingdom of God because he wants you to experience what he has to give you. He wants you to experience something only he can do in your life. And I like it because our soul is full of fear. Our soul is full of anger. Our soul is full of lust, perversion, love of money, pride, sickness, demons. There isn't anybody that doesn't have it. Okay, that's what I love. Hey, clear the field now. We've all been there. We may not know what level or measure we're connected to that because that's what I love about God. He's going to peel it off slowly. And he's going to really reveal it to us when we're what? Ready. And then when we're ready, he's going to look for us to remind ourselves we're justified in him. <laughs> and, you know, I really giggle about this, not for anything. It's like it is the Holy Spirit laughter in me that makes us, you have to know we are all good in the eyes of God. And he is a good God. And he wants to give us these things but I love it. He's going to, after we accept him in our heart, he's going to say, okay, we're working this together to become what? One. And in, in that, there is some power. I experienced over there and just being partnered with Jesus, Jesus, just be partnered with Gene in the business, being his business partner. I experienced power. When the two of us think as one, it's amazing. We're not worried about what people think of us. We stay what? Justified. You know, one of the best things Gene did when we partnered is he told me everything about his past. And he's like, okay, tell me everything about yours. Nobody can come between us, <laughs> right? Because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy something God is starting to make a move on. And you know what? Praise God, because it took me a couple of years to kind of really get into that, that staking in the ground that he really did justify me. I didn't do it. He does it. And so praise God, Romans 5, 2 says, and you know, we can only do it through the Lord Jesus Christ. We have got to develop that relationship. Through him also, we have our what? Access, our entrance, our introduction. Man, I love when somebody tells me, I was, I had nothing. And then all of a sudden, something entered into my heart. Life changed. The world looked beautiful. That's a person who what? receive the introduction, the access to the whole plan of their life. 
whole plan of their life into this grace. Grace is a state of God's favor in which we firmly and safely stand. Now, we can read that. (laughs) But when we're going through the change and we're going through the trial and we're going through the tribulation because he says, if they hate you, they hate me. Okay? The word says, you know, that you have to go through, you will go through persecution, but it's not you that's being persecuted. Here's the awesome part. It's the fear in you that's being persecuted. It's the anger in you that's being persecuted. That's the, that's the enemy. That's not you because you've been justified firmly in faith through Jesus Christ. So that's where the relationship starts building. We don't trust that right away. We believe and we want to believe in that. It's, what, it's like I said in Train to Rain last week. You start seeing that like, oh, I'm justified in faith and, and God wants to bring me whole. And then all of a sudden I start seeing myself whole. And then guess what happens? It's like a bow being pulled back. And what you see now becomes this long distance. You get pulled back and you're like, oh, that that can't happen. You actually start getting further away from who you're supposed to be. And it's, does everybody ever have that moment where they're like, they're excited. I'm justified. I am there. I see it. And then all of a sudden, what comes in? Fear anger, lust, perversion, anything that's working in you starts manifesting itself and pulls you away because Satan doesn't want you to truly believe that you are trust, that you are firmly justified like that. He's going to start, but see, that's the plan. He already knows that to experience the glory of God, these things have to be cut off, but by him, with him, and through him, not by our own effort. We have to work it together. So it continues to say, and let us rejoice and exult in our hope of experience and enjoying the glory of God. Now, I'm a type of person that when I get a book, I go right to the back and then I read forward. I read backwards forward. Has anybody ever done that? Okay, like sometimes I open up a book, I start reading it like, you know, in literature in college, you open up a book. And you start like, ugh, I can't, how am I going to get through this? So what did I do? Okay, let me get the end. And then I can read the beginning and get there, okay? I've always liked that. I'm a magazine person. I'll take the magazine, look at the back, go backwards. And, you know, that's just how I am. Well, when I look at this verse, I want to read it backwards. I want to remind myself that let us, okay, us means what? A team. God never said this was supposed to be you by yourself. He never said it was to be you by yourself. He said the pastors must come together as a team. So he says today we come together as pastors in a pastor's conference. Let us rejoice and exult in our hope of what? Experience. That means we are going to experience the glory of God. There is no question buts about it. Start rejoicing in it. And we need to rejoice as a body because when a body comes together, there's more what? Power. And when there's more power, There's more movement, okay? We are called to the city of Savannah, and we've got to come together in knowing who we are, whose we are, and what we're called to do, which what I'm called to do is not as different than what somebody else is called to do, but guess what? The mission's the same. We are on the same goal to get to the same place, but my body part is different from another's of what I have to do. But yet, I am definitely to encourage the body 
<laughs> an encourager that we need to exalt on our hope and experience, enjoying the glory of God. He is not going to give us something with sorrow. It says it in John. He says, I am not. We have the sorrow. And you know when we have the sorrow? It's because we haven't asked yet. We haven't asked. You know, there's a power in asking. You know, I remember the first time I asked the Lord, oh, what is my purpose? Okay, I'm feeling sorrow. And then boom, visitation. He comes. He tells. I still don't understand. Now I grow and learn. We have to go and then we have to grow. We have to go and we have to grow. And it just doesn't happen one time. We have to mature into the body of Christ. We have to get this body attached to the head so that we can get and receive that fullness. So we can, we, if we understand that we are going to enjoy the glory of God, man, it doesn't make a difference what you're going through. You're going to exalt him and you're going to enjoy because he's going to show you by faith into this grace in which we are firmly and safely, we will stand together. We will stand together. Isn't it beautiful? We see that we are declared righteous through faith and have peace with God through Jesus. You know, there would be no peace if Jesus didn't come. And he came to fulfill a law that none of us could fulfill. He came to do that to show us the way. You know what I love in Matthew? There's a little section in Matthew where the Pharisees come to Jesus and they say, hey, what about this rule? Hey, what about this law? Hey, 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 hey. And Jesus goes, okay. And he would affirm that rule or that law. But then he would say, but. I like that. <laughs> he would say, but I say. And he would correct it in love and truth. Do you know what I'm saying? He, he, because the Pharisees were so uptight. They were uptight. Because they wanted everybody to do what? Follow the law, follow the rule to the point of stoning. Man, why do we have so much fear? We're afraid of getting what? Stoned. <laughs> We're getting, we are afraid of getting stoned by the false prophet. Who was the false prophet? People speaking the false things about you because they're not, they're not listening to this. They're listening to this that's unrenewed. That's why I really have hit a point in my life where I giggle because there is no offense. Nobody can hurt me because if they are, if they're saying something, then they just don't know that's part of him. Because once you get this fullness of love in your heart, it's not about even, it's about helping people push forward. It's not reminding people how to push backwards. Do you know what I mean? And that's really hard because we can't worry about the people who come into our ministries. We have to worry about how, what we are building within our team in our ministries we have to know that we have to build that and that's where building teams within your team is really important getting that unity in the core is so important because then nobody can break into it they just keep coming towards it you know that's what i love about jesus's walk everything came what to him to him the people come to the door the people walk in the building all right. And so because in the unity of the body and the whole plan, there is joy. So we also see that through him, we also have access by faith into the grace that we are firmly and safely planted. It's through the word of God that we experience grace. Verse two says, 
Let us rejoice in the hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. We have access to grace to find the glory of God. Man, he says, he says, ask and I will answer. He says, search and you shall find. He says, knock and I will open the door. You know, I remember hearing that verse when I was little. And then when it kind of started manifesting, okay, he gave an order. Ask, search, knock. Knock means be what? Persistent in him. Keep pressing in with him. I mean, it's awesome because he says, if you keep pressing in in love, man, you are going to experience a glory, a joy, an experience. Grace is an unmarried favor, a spiritual blessing. And I think everybody knows that. It's awesome. You know, sometimes um, I, th- I believe that people sometimes just sit and they think they're supposed to wait for that to fall. You know, and they, they don't experience the time, the searching out. People ask for the experience of the glory of God. But if they haven't searched him out, they're missing the link to receiving the true experience Because the one thing that the Lord said that as we walk this walk, we are going to experience an exchange. Less of our thinking and more of his thinking. And that's where the battle is. We're called to help protect the truth in our ministries. We're not called to um, edify the flesh of the person in the ministry. We've got to help these people grow up. And if you keep pressing the word, I know in our experience... People laugh. I mean, I'll, people, I, you're one, you always say, yep, Lee just brings you right back to where you need to be, pressing up into him, knocking at the door. Okay, because if we rely too much on man, and it even says in the word, God sometimes will make us put man as God because he's trying to get our heart and heart out and get us to him because he is the true source within us that helps press us through. The glory of God is his person. It is a person. It is his person. It was reconciled to him through Christ. So we have been, and I know you guys know this, we have been reconciled back to God through Jesus. And you know the first thing he does? The moment we get reconciled back through him, the next phase is he starts working with people in our lives. He can't move us into our plan and you cannot receive the promises If you don't start working now this measure of grace with him. So he comes unexpectedly one day. It's your appointed time. It's your experience. You know he's real. And then what happens? Okay, now he wants a relationship with you. He wants you to work at it. He wants you to grow. He wants you to know he is a person. The glory of God is his, God's person. It was reconciled through Christ to experience and enjoy him. I'm going to read, Gene has here to read verse 2, because he has the question, how do I know the experience? So this is good. How do I know the experience? Through him also we have our access, entrance, introduction by faith into this grace, state of God's favor in which we are firmly and safely stand. And let us rejoice, exult in our hope of experience and enjoying the glory of God. The first thing he says he has in his order here is how do I know the spiritual experience? There's a spiritual experience that we have to get first. And the first is his rest. 
Okay? The rest of God, rest, another word for rest is trust. You have to trust in where God is taking you. You don't have to understand it. You just have to trust that he's doing what he's going to do. And that's spiritual. Because you know what? Our circumstances around us do not make us feel like resting, do they? The circumstances your people are going through do not make them feel like resting. When I finally understood that Jesus was Lord, he wasn't just my savior. He now is the Lord of my life. I had to now what? Surrender him. I had to lift off the yoke of bondage that was of the world. And now I had to put his yoke on my shoulder. And he said that if I would do that, he would give me what? Rest. So that's the important thing. He, we have to know, he wants us to enter into a spiritual rest. That doesn't mean the things around us are at rest. Our money, our homes, our families, our jobs, our circumstances, they're not at rest. He's trying to get us aligned in his rest. Because in that rest, that's where you're going to experience a spiritual weight. Okay? How many people are at home and they're spending time in their word? And they feel a weight, not a heavy weight, the weight. And you know, it just lifts off all your concerns. And then you can enter into a rest. It's a, it's a weight of peace. It's awesome. So we have his weight. And then we have what's called his warmth. And I didn't understand that. I didn't understand that there, you could enter a rest and everything could be crazy around you. And you don't understand one thing that's happening to you. But when you say yes, when you say yes, it's like the presence rests on you. That's the weight. But then all of a sudden, there's this warmth and you feel this internal work working in you. When I go home and I worship, I'll worship. In the very beginning, I would worship because I was just so happy that I didn't. When I heard I'm not responsible. If I learn to tap into this Holy Spirit and let it tell me what it wants me to do, man, I could go home and worship God and I didn't have to worry about my bills, my whatever, the what was going on. I didn't. I got into this worship and then all of a sudden I could feel the presence come down and I could feel it touch my spirit. And then all of a sudden warmth, a burning started and I'd lay there for hours arrested. I mean, hours, it would be hours And I didn't even know how much time went by. I just know when I sat up, that was the best massage that I ever experienced. And it did not come from paying $150 to go to some salon, right? And I wasn't touched by somebody else's fingers, right? It was God's rest where he put me in a weight where I could not, what, move. But the warmth of God was working something in me the whole time. And when he's doing that, He's going to start pushing something out. Guess what happened to me after my first experience like that? I got sick. <laughs> I got so sick. Now, I want you to, this is funny, because he is going to move something. If you start worshiping God and start accessing this grace, and you say, I want that rest. Put your weight and presence on me. Let this start working. Do you know He is in the move. He is going to move something out of you. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I wasn't a person that got a lot of sick. But guess what? I still had sickness in me because my mind wasn't renewed to understand I'm supposed to be whole. All right? So here I am. I text Gene. Hey, what's going on here? 
I am sick as a dog. I got a fever. I always had, I had my appendix taken out, and I always never felt right after it. And it always just lingered, right? Well, I'm laying there, and Jean goes, you're on the right course. <laughs> okay, I thought well, I'm supposed to be experiencing joy, right? And he said, keep reading the healing scriptures that he has, in a, that he, he has these scriptures for healing. So I was like, yeah, I text him. I read them. Nothing's happening. <laughs> Threw them down next to me because that's our unbelief. We have unbelief. And until the leaders get the belief right and get the experiences, then our, the, our people are going to follow. And so that's the beauty right now. The Lord is really pulling in the pastors, getting the leaders, getting them to experience this. And so the only way, I love it, when you come into a sheepfold, you can't follow a shepherd that hadn't been through it. You can't follow a shepherd that hasn't really experienced it. And so here I am laying sick. What did Gene write back to me? Keep reading the scriptures out loud. So I sat there and I read these out loud. But you know what was the most amazing thing in the middle of the night? It's like it broke. I felt things leave my body. I did. I felt that pain. I've never had that pain ever again. So who was holding on to that pain? Something demonic. Okay? We're not demonic. Our spirit is whole. But the things we've already been taught, it says in Thessalonians that we're all born into an assembly of God that believes in Christ, but it wasn't his truth. All right? He then calls us into a day to come closer to him and let him now show us the truth. So he already knows we're all going to be born into what? A lie. But here's the beautiful thing about a lie. Who created the heavens and the earth, the Father and the Son. So every lie comes out of the truth. Man, if you can listen to people, and when you know it's a lie of God, you have to know that behind it, Satan knows something. There is a truth. So we shouldn't shut, we have to know how to hear. That's accessing some grace. Because he's going to send the wrong person to move you. <laughs> and you have to love that person. And you have to be able to hear what they're saying. Because even what you know could be a lie. That means it's stemming off of a truth. That God, and that truth is the promise he's bringing to you. And so praise God that he's already taught us this way. But we have to spend time with him so we can experience his rest, his weight, his warmth. So how do we know we're experiencing? We're feeling those things. We can feel a rest in the storm. We can feel a weight of his presence that doesn't make us move. It makes us stand in the storm. We actually feel a warmth burning from the inside out, consuming what's not of God. And you know what? I have never been sick like that since. And that was my first year here. That was almost seven years ago. And you know what? That truly, that burning out, I felt the things lift my body. And I knew. Even the Lord said, I, now the Lord gave me this instruction. I'm not telling you to do it. He told me not to even worry about having health insurance. He said, I will be your insurance. And so I believed in that. And he has not ever, I mean, it's been seven years. He has not ever left me and I'm not saying you can't get sick. I broke my ankle. And here's the awesome thing about grace. I am skipping along. Break, break, break. Break my ankle in three places. Do you know what happened that was so amazing? We go in there. Gene was with me. He signed me in the hospital. And he says to me, you don't have insurance, do you? I said, no. God told me he was my insurance. <laughs> That's how positive I was. And he goes, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> so he signs me in. But here's, get this. 
This is how powerful God's grace is. He knew he wanted me in arrest. I had worked a lot of years, and Lord was, even Gene warned me, Lee, God's going to put you in arrest. And if you don't take it, he's going to put you in that rest because of all the, you know, just, and he wants us. We've got to have that rest. Well, the most powerful thing is I did not worry about the bill. And when the bill came in the mail, it was $33,000. But because they knew I didn't have insurance, they already cut it in half. Already cut it in half. And it was $15,000. Now, you'll never believe this. This is the grace of God. He knows what he's doing with you. So he always has the money or anything else. We build a home, and when we build a home, we build it out of a construction loan. On the first straw on the construction loan, the house is not even built. They already paid the real estate fees in full, which was $15,000. And I get $15,000 before I break my ankle. I get $15,000. You know what I'm saying? That's not normal. This is not normal. You don't get the realtor gets paid what? Last. You don't get money and there's no groundbreaking. But that's what BMP did. They just said, hey, we're just going to disperse the, the real estate fees now. And you know, that person's got to pay interest on that. I didn't even ask. I just did what? Received. And I didn't do anything with that $15,000. I put it in a, a trust account and I just waited. And when I broke my account, here I get the bill. He gave me all my what? Provision. So the whole time I was down, I didn't have to worry about anything. And it was really awesome because when the Lord told me not to buy insurance, I went there and figured out I'm a single woman. Single woman. You know what I mean? It's, I don't know. It, you pay a lot. <laughs> I'm telling you for a single woman. And it was like 400 and some a month. When I tallied it out, do you know I would have already given the insurance system $50,000? And in all these years, all I needed was what? 15? You know, and the Lord told me this. He showed me this. He said, when I break a bone, I mend it. It is the glory of God when we can see his nature working in us because my ankles as perfect as it was the day I broke it. Even the doctor said there was no calcium, but there was no other evidences. He said it was perfect. And when I saw it, it was perfect. It was just like, it took me. It, he really awed me with seeing what he does just every day, the grace he has every day in our lives. Isn't that beautiful? Okay, so here we go. I love this. After you feel his warmth, you know you're going to experience an exchange. Okay? Some people come in here and they start growing to understand this. And the first thing they say to us, one of the, I always say, Gene, I think we should let them know they might experience sickness. Because in that sickness, he's pushing out that list. And it will be a sickness that you have that will never come back. Because he's got to get out so you can experience the joy. It's so powerful. The fourth thing that you know that you're in the experience is his wealth. Is his wealth. You know, the word is his wealth. And when we start applying it and we start experiencing it, we actually get a physical, tangible experience. Do you know, I experienced wealth. I saved $50,000 on health insurance because he said, I'm going to be your what? Insurance. I experienced wealth the moment I came into agreement. I didn't even have fear when I went into the emergency room. And Gene was just like, you don't have health insurance. <laughs> but I experienced his what? Wealth. Because he brought that money before it was time. I didn't even break my ankle. 
And you know how what's so good? God, show, his grace shows you things before they happen. That shows you things before they happen. So we're going to experience a physical, tangible experience that has to do with the wealth of his word and the wealth of the world. He's going to, he's got us covered. He's got us covered in front and back to the right and to the left. He's got us covered. Now, I have to tell you, you have to really believe. And you know what? We don't enter in with our 100% belief measure. Okay, I love it when the Lord showed me that there is a great and terrible day of the Lord, right? I talked about this yesterday. I love this. Why would he say there's a great and a terrible day of the Lord? All in one sentence. Because we're going to be excited because we know he is great and he's going to be changing something else. But then it's going to feel what? Terrible. (laughs) And that's when the Lord is coming to experience. He's coming to visit you to give you an experience. There is, I mean, we don't, we don't have to go to leadership and get our hands laid on us to be healed and whole. We can actually spend time with him and he gives us the instruction and he says, now just believe. And then it's going to be great, but it's also going to be what? Terrible. Because the terrible part is the darkness, the residue being pushed out of us so that the greatness of God fills in us and we never feel those feelings ever again. We never have that sickness ever again. We never experience. It is what? Finished. When the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. So whatever is being removed, if it's anger, anger will leave. And you're, you're feeling less angry. Something that would normally make you angry all of a sudden. All right, I'm not angry. What happened? The grace of God. Something changed you. Okay, because only he can do it. Everybody's born with residue. Everybody's got it. But the beauty is, is the glory experience is experience it leaving and never coming back. I mean, that's the glory of God. He says, how do I access the grace that my spirit man firmly and safely stands on? How do I access that grace? How do I stand in grace? We have this picture. It's called the regenerated spirit, full of light. In your core of your spirit, you hear God speaking. In your soul, you hear other things speaking. (laughs) But there is something in you, and I always try to relate it to this. Even before you came to Christ, when you were young, everybody remembered something that they just knew, and then they didn't do it. And you went, oh, I knew it. I was supposed to do that, not this. How many people have experienced that? Right, I love it. I love how he already starts reminding us about that regenerated spirit. But that could be, once your spirit gets regenerated, that becomes what? Stronger. It becomes intense. God now has a place. But if we never commune and worship with him, if we never commune and worship with him, then we are tossed to and fro. We don't really know it's God. We think it could be, but our mind is starting to tell us other things because the word has to be what? Firmly rooted, grounded, implanted, So we become the word of God, all right? Because there's a time that when God calls us and we are coming up on that threshold of change that he brings back to our remembrance the word of God. And then he expects us to do it. But our flesh doesn't want to do that, okay? And I'll use Carrie's, and I always use Carrie's as an example. 
Carrie was very angry when he came in the ministry. In fact, when he would, he would even say, I'm not angry. And the whole time, anger's belling off of him, right? And that's the first thing God has worked in his life, getting that out, getting that out. Well, when the Lord says, you're not angry, there's something else angry in you. You're not angry. It's not him. It's something else influencing him. But every time Satan would come to bring that out, all Carrie had to do was access the word he already knew. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Now you can meditate on that, meditate on that, but then what's going to happen? Somebody's going to come and make you what? Angry. When you come up on that, he will bring, the spirit will bring back to your remembrance. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Now you have the choice to do what? Do it. So that's why he says, wait patiently for me. In every situation that comes toward you, wait in peace, in patience with him. Let the spirit bring to your remembrance the word he's already given you to succeed in the challenge. So then when you speak it out, then what? That word can't come back void. It's got to come back because if you have communed and you have worshiped with him and you have seeked him, he's going to bring you that great and terrible moment (laughs) when the Lord is right there waiting for you. Are you going to access me or are you going to access what you think? Okay, I love it because it's so beautiful. It's like we become an orchestra that he's fine tuning us so we can speak what he wants us to speak, not what we want to speak. And in that, our conscious discernment becomes so aware of who God is, who his person is, that we are starting now to access another realm. And that place where you're pulled back, where it becomes so far away, just became one that fast. So as far away as you thought you were, when it's time and you pass that final test, it comes like this. And you are now experiencing the promise. I mean, I've gone through the rotation. It's incredible. If I ask and I seek and I press in and he changes something in me and I am resting, I am sitting in his weight, I'm letting the massage happen, I know that he's preparing me for a great and terrible moment. (laughs) Because in that moment, I'm going to be judged to be using the word or not. Who am I going to choose? What is my choice? And I have to know that I am not being judged by the people coming to me. My soul, my court is in its judgment. Who are you going to choose? Are you going to choose your flesh or are you going to choose your spirit man? And then I get to pass the test the moment I choose what? The spirit. And when I choose the spirit, okay, it breaks out. And then I never experience that feeling ever again. Because at that moment, I chose him, and something had to leave. And then the little fatted calf, it says he's going to bring us into a land, right? And it will feel like a fatted calf. Well, let me know. That's the fatted calf is the spirit in you. The moment you pass that and you access grace, boom, another fullness of him. Boom, another fullness of him. And what are you walking in? That is the fatted calf that we are to walk in, not our weight. (laughs) I sent Chris this little picture. It was two little kitty cats. Don't I have to tell this? It was two little kitty cats, right? And and you might have seen this. It it is cute. And this little cat's like laying hands on another cat. And this little cat, and he has his lips like this. You're not fat. You're fluffy. 
<laughs> and it was so cute. And it was like, that's like the body of Christ. We are to encourage everybody. And when I saw the little kitty do that, I just, it brought me so much joy. Because that's how when we come together as a body, when we come together, we got to remind each other, what does God say? What does God say? He says, you're not bad. You're fluffy. All right? <laughs> God has got, you're not angry. You're joyful. You're not, you're not fearful. Okay? You're courageous. He's going to tell you something. It's so cute. All right. So we have to know that our spirit is what is trying to firmly establish us. That spirit is trying to get us to trust it and spend time. Romans 5.3 says, Moreover, let us also be full of joy when? Now. He doesn't say be full of joy later. So that means you may not feel joy, but if you start getting that mentality, I'm supposed to be full of joy. I'm not supposed to have sorrow. I'm not supposed to be fearful. I'm not supposed to be angry. Know your list. Keep meditating on it. Keep meditating on that. Let us be full now. Let us exult and triumph in our troubles. So that means there's going to be what? The great and terrible day. All right? If we can get it that it's a great and it's terrible because it's going to do a great work. And let us rejoice in our sufferings. Man, we got to be like the little kitty cats. We got to be encouraging each other because when we're in it, we don't feel like rejoicing. I don't care. I still feel it now. When I, you know what I mean? It gets better every time I grow. But every time I start feeling it come on, I have to remember, be happy. Be joyful in this because he is getting me through to a better place. And it's not that terrible anymore because now I know how he's doing it. It really does. It actually starts to become painless and it becomes really quick. As far as you think you are, it becomes so quick. You start getting through all those things because you are starting to believe your little measure meter, your spirit is growing so strong that now it's not going to resist him. It's not going to resist him. It's going to say, hey, you already say this is going to happen. I am connecting. I am moving forward. And I am joyful in this. But in the beginning, the experiences don't feel like that. They don't. Sickness was the first thing he removed out of me. Sickness. And then he worked with me with love of money because I made a lot of money. And then he asked me to give it all away. <laughs> like, seriously, give it all away. Because he said, where I have you going, you can own nothing, but you will own everything. He gave, I had to give away my $1.2 million home. I had to give away my Mercedes. I had to give everything. And guess what? Then one day, a Mercedes shows up at the door, and it was given to me by God. Some businessman bought me a car. So come on. Do you see what I'm saying? When you get, start letting go the things you don't think, because the first thing he doesn't want, he doesn't want any of us in debt. Because when we're in debt, we're thinking about what? Paying bills. And he told me, he said, Lee, you will come to zero. And I will have you out of debt in one year. And it took the grace of God. Because the thing I wanted to sell was my $1.2 million house. Because I only had a payment of $400 on it. So the thing I wanted to do was what? Get my money out of that. <laughs> and I could be in debt in two months. Out of debt in two months. You know what I mean? And have leftover. And the Lord showed me. He said to me, Okay. That's the first thing. He asked me, do you want that house? And I cried. And I said, no, I don't want that house. I built it for some, somebody else out of love. And I heard him say this to me. I'm crying. You built it out of love, but now you're going to give it away out of my love. And I had to give it away to a pastor. 
and it was a pastor who could only afford $400,000. They have saved so many souls in that house. And so when he did that, I was like, I ran into Gene. He was working at his desk. I said, God told me to give away my big, the house. And Gene was just like, okay, calm down. The enemy will have you give away something too. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, but Gene discerned for me because the word says in Malachi that we have to go through these tribulations. But he says, I will bring you a father, lowercase, to turn his heart towards you. And if you will turn your heart towards him, then he will help guide you. Okay, because why? When we're growing up in this process of experiencing the glory of God and his kingdom to the fullness, the enemy knows we've got a lot of what? Residue, which the enemy can get us on the wrong strand, thinking it's God, feeling it's God, knowing it's God. And you know what? We can be that zealous for God, but we're not really what? Hearing him. We're healing what our flesh is zealous and thinks we should do for God. And so Gene said, what? Slow down. He said, I want to meet these people. And when he met the people, the glory of God hit. It was, I think I was in travail for 48 hours because what I had to do, they closed in one week. They had to be out in one week. Well, now here, just don't think I suffered. I had another $500,000 street that I owned. And um, I was like, great, I'll just move into that. You know what I mean? So it wasn't a big deal. And um, I moved into that. And then now the Lord told me he didn't want me to have any what? Debt. I wasn't in that house 30 days. It wasn't even for sale on the market. And somebody came, had to have it. They paid me 495 for that house. And then the roll was on. The Lord told me everything would be zero. Every, I had 20 properties. Every HUD statement, the bottom said zero. Carrie is my witness. He came in at the tail end of God's work. Everything was what, Carrie, on the HUD statements? Zero. He even, at the end, the things that there were the most difficult things to get rid of, that I was upside down on, those HUD statements still all said what? zero and the power of God is so strong in the grace he wants us to experience because he wants us to get off the world load so we can experience his grace he wants that lifted off of us and then he says I'm going to give you more than enough he didn't make me su I did not suffer once in fact one property I sold had a lien on it and he resolved that lien and gave me extra and I didn't have to bring anything but I had to be able to what? Tap into this grace. Listen to the Holy Spirit because his ways are not our ways. They are not the most awesome experiences I experienced with God. Man, I couldn't tell anybody what was going on because they would tell me I was what? Crazy. And I said, this May will be seven years later. And it's been seven years. I am a blessed woman. Because I don't have to worry about the debt. I don't have to worry about certain things. My mind can solely be on him. And then he can flood and show me which direction that I am to take for the body of Christ. Not for myself. The wealth that he brings to us is to get us to move towards the mission of the body of Christ. And so now, when he paired me as a partner with Gene, now what's the purpose? All the money that now comes in here comes for what? To press out the mission. And there's no reason to take a salary because you don't have bills. You know what I mean? You just keep moving in what you're to do. So he reminds us in 5.3 that we triumph in our troubles and we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that pressure and affliction and hardship produce patience and un, 
swerving endurance. Man, that year he told me he was, I was going to be debt free in one year. And he says, give up your, your invest, everything you have in the, in your best investment. You have to stand what? Unswerving. Cause that does not make sense. But when I stood in that and knowing that that pressure he was making me experience of barely having enough money to put in my gas tank. But guess what? My gas tank was always what? Full. I never didn't have. But he was pressuring it because he had to get me in a place where I became unwavering. And you know what? When we bring in people, we know they're going to go through the same thing. We don't know how they're going to go through and we don't know what the instruction is because God's going to give you the instruction. But he says, I'm going to bring people with you to come along your side to help you so you can mature in this. Because when you're matured in it, then you don't need, you don't, all you need is what? The Holy Spirit and the team you're assigned to. You still need the people that you're assigned to, but God's going to lead you right into where you're to be. So it's awesome. He tells us, how do we access now? Let's review. We access with what? Joy. We access with praise. We access with patience. And we access with endurance. So grace, we stand in. So now we can actually stand in and we can now receive. So Romans 5, 4 tells us how to receive. Did you all get that other one? Go ahead back. With joy, how do we access? We have to have joy in the trouble. We have to praise and exalt him through it. And you know what? Sometimes our praises are a little weak when, we do, when we're in this, right? Yeah, I trust you. I praise God. You can barely lift those hands because you feel like the world is getting you down. But let me tell you something. I have watched in here. When somebody comes in here and they can't raise their hands, that is just pride. That is God and a force is trying to get you because we're already born to lift up our hands. But boy, I have watched people lift up their hands. And when they break that freedom, oh my God, they feel so good. You know what I mean? They didn't know it felt so good. I mean, I understand that. We had a young girl come in here and she says, she came, she got saved here, and she came and lived with me for a couple months. Lord had me bring her into the home. And she said, I would come in, and she goes, I'd feel a force holding my hands down. She goes, I'm trying to lift him, Lee, but I feel a force holding him down. I said, that is just a residue. That is an enemy of God, and you just force your hands through, and you will break the enemy. Well, she came up here, and she broke them through. And she, it, 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 it was so amazing for her. I said, the force isn't real. You are contending with the force, not contending with God. She thought more about the force when she needed to think, I am going to praise you. The word says that I shall what? Lift up my holy hands. All right. So sometimes our heart has to push us to do something that we don't think we can do because we're arguing with the devil and trying to figure out why am I feeling this? Oh, maybe I'm in the wrong place. Blah, blah, blah. Well, the purity of the word is the word. And if he says to enter in with what? Joy, even though you don't feel it, then enter in with what? Joy. If he says to lift up those holy hands and praise his name and exalt his name, then guess what? You may not feel it, but lift it up. You defeat the forces of the enemy, the principalities of darkness. That their job is to keep you, is to keep you in that residue. It wants to keep you in that residue, thinking that you aren't deserving to receive the promise that he's already given you. So how do we receive Romans 5, 4? There are five instructions in this. It says, and endurance 
fortitude develops maturity of character, approved faith and tried integrity and character of this sort produces the habit, okay? The habit of joyful and confident hope in eternal salvation. We are to have salvation. I love this. We are to have eternal life, right? But he also says that we're to have abundant life here and now. There is no abundant life if you can't have inner peace with Christ. It's an inner peace. He says, the world, there will be conflicts. But in you, I have come to give you a peace, an anger, an, an anchor of peace. But he tells us we need to have a habit of joy. All right. Some of us are not born in the habit of joy. Okay. I do know I was born and I always was a pretty happy kid. It was really hard to get me into an argument. So I understand my joy level was naturally higher where it almost, I could annoy a person. I was so happy sometimes. All right. But I wasn't really happy with myself inside because we can have an outside manifestation without any inside change. When God calls us to have an inside change and have a true manifested outside change. So my outside joy needed to catch up and be a real pure joy, not just joyful because it was my makeup. But there are people who come in and are so, uh, you know, wound up with chains that we have to be real sensitive We have to ease them into that joy. We have to find ways to get them to speak that joy. So it says, how do we receive? There are five instructions. One, we have to develop into this this maturity. He tells us it's a development in that verse. We have to develop. I believe that when people come in and they realize that they don't have to get whole in one day, you got people who they just want to get it right, get it right, get it right, and be good the next day. Well, we have to tell them, slow down. It is a development of love and truth. It is a development of a covenant, a relationship that he needs to teach you tokens of exchange. You have to start believing that it's eternal, that it never, you, you do receive back. Number two, it is a tried integrity. So that means integrity we have to have in the world. Now, this is what I've noticed in business, in all my years of business. People want to point out, you're wrong, you're right. How many people have experienced that? People are coming to it, you're wrong, you're right. Okay, it's just that black and white. And if you don't do that right, you have no integrity, right? Okay, our integrity is our integrity with God. Okay, because integrity is knowing who is your authority. All right, and then he tells you what to do, and that is the integrity of God. And when you do what God tells you to do, it's going to cost you something. Integrity always costs you something. And the integrity switch, that's one of the biggest exchange. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. I'm not going to do what the worldly, crafty world can maneuver me into doing. It's amazing how people can trick you right into the wrong thing. All right? But the integrity is... Ask God, seek him, knock, don't move if he doesn't give you any instruction. The integrity is what you do with him. And then he will said, he even says, I will bring all men to you. We're not to worry about what they think. We're we're to worry about what he thinks. So he tells us it takes time. It's a tried integrity and it's approved. Charlena, you are approved. I love this. I had a vision about Charlena. It was just so awesome. 
It's approved faith. Approved faith mixed with tried integrity is the sign of your developed maturity. Isn't that awesome? So approved faith. You know, Charlene is really going through it. The Lord's, you know, processing and doing things. And I had this dream. And it was a sign above Charlena, and it kept saying, approved, approved. I came running in here with such joy. I was like, Charlena, you're what? Approved. And I, the, the Lord had downloaded a whole lesson of me. So every time I passed Charlena for like a week, Charlena, you are approved. right. You are, approved. you are right. You have to keep that building because if the Lord showed me she was approved, guess what? She is approved. <laughs> and it's not because I'm all that. I'm just saying he gave, he always will give somebody a vision. And you know, how many times do we hold that vision in and we don't share it in the appropriate order? You know, if you're assigned to somebody, you're to share your visions with that person so he can start guiding you in what's right, what's not. Because why? We have a mixture. And so when we develop in that maturity and we know you, know you, know, boy, God wants you to do what? Speak it into existence. Because if I'm speaking it into existence and she's going through it, man, that's where you become the coach right along the person. I loved it. I, I, I get so excited when you watch this working through people because I'm just, and I, we've had people that are new in here and they're like, Lee, you are crazy. <laughs> I'm like, I am not crazy. I'm excited for you. Because, and so I, I'm, I had a lady going through convulsions. She had a dream, and the Lord told her to come see me. And I start teaching her about unforgiveness. And I said, look, take this one day at a time. Don't take all this scripture and think you're going to beat God in one night, right? Well, what does she do? She starts calling out all these scriptures. She immediately goes into convulsions. But it wasn't her. It was the enemy in her. I just sat on the phone with her. She called me at 2, and I answered. Now that you know God was in that, right? <laughs> I answered because God wants us delivered, but he wants us to experience the glory of God through the experience of deliverance and the healing he has in the promise. And so when I spoke to her, I just said, hey, I just started speaking a few of the scriptures and she just, it all lifted that she was fine. Those things aren't real. They grip your physical and they want you to think that's just who you are. We don't have Alzheimer's. People confess that they do. You get what I'm saying? They've already planned their future. They have an awesome testimony of a relative that kept confessing. Yep, in 13 years, I'll have Alzheimer's just like my mom. I'll have this, I'll have this. In 13 years, this woman got what? Alzheimer's, just like her family. Because she could never come to the trust of God and the working through the grace. See, and this is where I said, if we can identify and be transparent of what we know isn't right, man, find that scripture, stand on it, meditate on it. You'll have the great and terrible day where it's tested, but guess what? You're going to be called what? Approved. The faith, he is going to call it approved and everything that happens gets spoken before it manifests. And who, it doesn't make a difference who speaks it. In fact, I love this. It doesn't make a difference what age, what animal. The animal will still speak it if it has to. Things will cry out for us. So we are approved faith with tried integrity is the sign of a developed, a developed maturity. Remember, tried integrity. That means there's going to be times that we what? Fail. It's a tried integrity. Don't think you're bad. You didn't break a rule. You are working out your salvation. You are developing it. And the fourth thing in that was character. The character now 
there is a character that produces a joyful and confident hope. I like this. All this is done is to develop our character, not into our character, but into Christ's character. Christ formed in us. And as that grows, it pushes out the darkness. But we can only access it through the grace of God. And it's not that grace that comes to us the first time. It's a different grace. It's in John. It's grace upon grace. And it's relationship upon relationship, communing with him so you can discern the movements of God around you and in your ministries. I love it. So through develop maturity and character, that is what produces a joy and a hope. In, tr- in troubles, in sufferings, we are to receive. We are receiving through maturity and character, our character in the trouble. In fact, that's number five. Is there a five? Yeah. In troubles and in sufferings is when we actually experience our development and we know exactly where we're at. So we take on our troubles. We take on our sufferings. Take it on. God's going to show you where you're at with him. Did you go? I like this. There are people who said, yep, I picked up the phone. I called this person, this person, this person, this person. All right, did you talk to God yet? Did you enter in through the Holy Spirit? Don't call me first. Call him first. But a baby is not going to call God first. A baby is going to go to its earthly parent. It doesn't know how. A baby doesn't know how to communicate with God, right? So when a baby cries for a bottle, who comes? A mommy or a daddy. And they come and bring the things. That's why where stage are you in? Are you a baby stage? Do you still need your parents? Or are you in the rebellious stage (laughs) where you don't think you need your parent, but you really need your parent? And are, are you into the fullness where you are walking as a full, mature adult, knowing who you're walking with and what you're doing? See, that's why he says it's a development of process. Okay, a rebellious person rejects their parents, right? I know when Rachel's rejecting me, she knows it more than me, so I have to let her know more. You know what I mean? And you have to let it go because eventually she's going to do what? Come back. (laughs) That's what they do when they're in rebellion. When God says, I've assigned you a father that changes his heart towards you. Most of the times we get excited about that. Yeah, somebody I can look up to, this great minister. But then they start making that minister God. And then they start debating that minister. And then they start rebelling against that minister. And how do you know somebody's rebelling? Not doing what they're asked to do. Not yielding to the instruction, but that's okay. Because he says, you're going to what? It takes what? It takes time. He already tells you that it's going to, you're going to rebel. Don't you love it? We can be a teenager. But just don't stay there too long, right? We just don't want to stay there too long. Acts 14.22 says, we enter the kingdom established and strengthening the souls. That is what's happening in the body of Christ and the hearts of the disciples, urging and warning and encouraging them to do what? Stand firm in the faith and telling them that it is through many hardships, many tribulations, we must enter the what? Kingdom of God. If we're gonna receive the plan and the promises of God, then we're going to have to get what? Repressed like the olive. We're going to have to get squeezed out because when you go into God's kingdom and you receive, 
It is going to be the purity that you have to receive. And we're not born pure. We're born, we, have, we want to grow into holiness. We have to grow up into holiness. So that's how you enter the kingdom of God. This is how we enter the kingdom of God. Isn't that crazy? You, if a person comes in, you can't say, hey, you're going to enter the kingdom of God. Look, your life is going to have trouble, conflict. You can't tell them that, right? We got to draw them in and get them excited about and make sure they're saved. We've got to make sure they're saved because we're just wasting our time if they're not. I mean, we got to get them where they're broken and know that God has a plan for them. But then when they switch, now it's like, all right, let's get you equipped. That's why we call it equipping the saints. Let's get you equipped so you know how to grow up. And, you know, it's cute. The Lord even showed me in the word, the, the word in Revelation that when a woman gives birth to a child, it says in Revelation that so there's a woman and she will give birth to a child. God will take the child. But then he will protect her and put her in a safe place. Well, what that means is each and every one of us have to birth out the darkness. Okay, Christ is going to go in. The darkness is going to come out. But he says, once you birth out that bad child, right? Once you birth out that deliverance, he says, now I'm going to put you in this place. I'm going to what? I'm going to protect you. And he said for three and a half years. So there are people who are saved, but that doesn't mean that they're walking that Lord Jesus is their Lord. Okay, but when they start coming into, all right, now he's going to consecrate, separate you, pull you apart, start teaching you these ways. But that means you're going to experience what? Changes. So he always brings you into place. I love it. You guys are leaders. You're pastors. Your home is your sanctuary that you're helping to draw the people and make sure that they're in a what? A safe place. And when you see them starting to what? Whine like a baby. Then you what? Feed them milk. Okay, you start building and building and building and getting them the tools, worship, prayer, okay, and having that zeal for God. But then, no, they're going to enter in rebellion. And that's when you go, hey, I just nurtured you all this time and now you're rebellious? Okay, you got to get into it. It's just going to happen. In fact, I told Jean, we need to start documenting when somebody walks through the door, what happens the first three and a half years. They're going to be in that baby to rebellion stage. And that we should just start expecting it. There is no disappointment in the hope of Christ. All right. So if we know his way, which he says, I'm going to protect somebody. So everybody he brings in this ministry for three and a half years, we're going to protect him. Now, what does it say the next three and a half years in Revelations? I don't know if anybody knows Revelations that well. The next three and a half years, he lets out the beast. Right. For another three and a half years. So I'd like to think this is awesome. Seven is the year of perfection. So if you're, I like this, I'm finishing seven years. Well, the next three and a half years, now you're dealing with the world and how are you going to do now? Okay, and you're usually coming out of rebellion and into your full maturity. Now it's like being in a batting cage. Let it come. You know your stance. You have your bat. You know which way to go, right? And you're not suffering anymore. You know it's got to come to you so you can be called approved. All right. So we have to be able to stand in this world and things can't. It's so hard to upset me now. It, I mean, I know the enemy will challenge it because I just said it. But I mean, OK, bring it on because I got it. Whatever is coming to me is going to change something else out of me. And I it's not about me. It's boasting in his ability to change us. I mean, you wouldn't have liked me before I came in. I thought I understood things better. I thought I knew what to do financially. I thought I had everything down. 
But then when the, I love this, when we're called, we're already established. That means when God is drawing you, he has already done what? Established you. But now he has to strengthen and settle you in that position. But before he gets there, you're going to experience suffering in the perfection. But when we start teaching people, you're going to experience this suffering in the perfection. You can actually love them better. Even though you can, ugh, you, we said with Carrie for a long time, Carrie's anger would just make him run circles, right? You would just walk circles and he didn't know why. It was the enemy making him run the circles. But we would just step back, let him do what? What does what a good parent do? Let the child wear themselves out, wear themselves out. And then once they wear themselves out, you can see God moving in the word. He does it. We don't do it. We just have to be, we have to learn as pastors and ministries how to support each other. I like this. We have to be there for one another because my ministry will have something different than your ministry. Your ministry will have something different. But if we come together, we're going to really what? Mature this body. And we're going to really get it down. Now, Gene has a lot more, but I'm probably not going to go into it. I'll let him continue it. I mean, you know, his lessons can be really lengthy. And I hope my words weren't too much, but I mean, I added in some of my own stuff. But the Lord is good. And I would like to end with, can you please put up... Um, I like to end with this verse because it's just an awesome verse that the Lord had me minister to a man and I had just gotten off vacation and Rachel invited this person over and she said it was for business but she said mom it's really for ministry and um, the man was angry and uh, you know my flesh said I didn't want him to come over because <laughs> I wanted to rest but when I looked into Rachel's eyes and she said, I think it's for ministry. I knew it was the right thing to do. But it's verse um, John 16, 22, 23, and 24. And I want to leave everybody with this today because the Lord really wants us to really understand that it's going to take the first thing on that list was joy. And it is going to take practicing joy, being joyful, and even what we don't understand, we've got to find the joy in the change. And it says, therefore, you now have sorrow. Nobody's at their complete fullness. So there is a measure of sorrow in all of us, okay? And we have those moments where the sorrow starts to connect, and we know that. But we don't know what to do. He says, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice. Well, I love the word again. Because in the development, he keeps showing up again and again and again. There isn't a one-time experience. He wants to keep coming again, another experience of grace, again, another experience of his glory. He wants to keep, he's not finished with me. I'm expecting more. We have to come expecting more from him. All right, so he says, but I will see you again. So even in what we sorrow, we need to get excited because he's going to come what? Again to what he's already done in your life. And your heart will what? Rejoice. And your joy, no, no one will take from you. Let me tell you, I am debt free. Nobody can take that away from me. And guess what? I'm not going back into debt. You get what I'm saying? Nobody can steal that joy because the world didn't give me that. He gave it to me. All right. And when he gave that to me, whew, I didn't think about it. I don't, I don't have to think about anything except for loving him. All right. So it says, and in that day, so in that day, 
He wants it. I love this. And your joy, no one will take from you. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. You are so happy. You have nothing to ask. You are experiencing the fullness of his joy. You are feeling it. You don't have things to ask. Hey, come on. When we're happy, we're enjoying. We're not asking, are we? Right. In our sorrow, we, we are asking. But he says, most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Now, I love this. He's telling us, enter into the kingdom of God with what? Joy. Because you're going to get to a point where I didn't ask for a car, but the car came and I heard him ask me, what kind of car do you want? I was like, whatever you want to give me. And then I was like, but I really miss my old Mercedes. <laughs> I did say that. <laughs> I did. Because I'm, you know, I've got to tell him the truth because he knows I was thinking it. You know, I was drying my hair. I said, I heard it. What kind of car do you want? And my daughter, I love this, in August, I got the car in December. My daughter woke up, Mom, I had a dream. Oh, my God, you're getting a car. I was like, okay, good. I've been riding the company car. And she goes, Mom, it's a Mercedes. And it's blue. I was like, ooh, blue. <laughs> I wasn't excited about it being blue, but I was excited about the Mercedes. So then now we hit November. That's August. But yet it was so strong in Rachel, it bared witness to my spirit. And I was about to help a woman. For some of you who don't know, I help people deliver children if they want to do it natural. So I was helping. I was about to deliver Michaela's baby. And Rachel was freaking out. Mom, how are you going to get there? We're sharing a car. I was like, I will have a car. It came out of my spirit so strong. It pierced Rachel. She goes, whoa. <laughs> she had to step back. A week later, I heard while I was drying my hair, what kind of car would you like? And I said, I'll take anything you want to give me. Right, because we have to say that. <laughs> but I was like, I really want a Mercedes. Well, then I'm drying my hair. I'm cleaning the bathrooms in here. And a white Mercedes shows up and said, this is your car. Now, come on. A business person said, that's what the guy said. It was a business person. He gave me your card. This is your car. You know what? And the Mercedes wasn't blue. It was white of the glory of God. <laughs> but I believe that the blue in her dream meant faithfulness. Okay. And so when you're faithful to going through this process, God's going to give you what you need. That car was what I needed. But yet he also gave me something I wanted, which was the type of car. He asked, I needed a car. I really did need a car. To, I mean, it really was a moment where Rachel was driving now. Another car had to come. And then when the car came, but it was also what I what, wanted because he really, if you are in joy with him, he wants to give you these things, but you're not asking for them. You're not trying to say, give me a car, give me. I'm not praying every day, give me a car. Do you get what I'm saying? Because the word already says, I give you all what you need. He knows everything you need and he'll bring it to you. He says, and most surely I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will give it to you. Until now, you have asked me nothing in my name. Now, this is when we're in our sorrow. When our sorrow, sometimes we have a hard time knowing how to what? Ask. So in that sorrow, until now, you have asked me nothing in my name. Now do what? Ask. Ask and you will what? Receive that your joy may be full. I like that. That's abundant life. We are afraid to enter into abundant life. I mean, it's, a, it's the truth. We are afraid to receive love. We are receive, afraid because we don't know what we're going to receive. The enemy wants to keep us in our sorrow. 
and not experiencing the changes, the transaction of, you know, anger, fear. He wants to take that out, bring us something else, and it's going to be fullness of joy and promises come with it. And that's where he wants us to start entering the kingdom of God. That is the time we have to enter the kingdom of God. And so our pastors, we have to come together and we have to start experiencing this together. We have to start applying it to ourselves. When I pray for something, I always say, now, process me first. Process me in that so that I can get to a better place. Because I'd rather be in your truth and the purity of your love than to be stuck in my own sorrows. So praise God. Does anybody have any questions? I'm sorry if this went a little bit longer. Um, Carrie, do you want to come up and give us a prayer? Carrie's taking notes. Well, the thing about the waiting, Jerry basically explained how God until less than nine weeks ago, Jerry was. He doesn't do that too often. And I just laid in the floor and I didn't want to move. You ever been there? Just pick your arms up and just like collapse. So I'm, when we're in, so entering in that, and that's how we know. And then in receiving God's wealth. I think this was interesting because like Lee, myself, last year, God removed $100,000 worth of debt from me supernaturally. It was unbelievable. I had bought a piece of property and the bank called a note. I mean, the bank called a note. What do you do? Thank you for your business, but send us a check. So it was amazing because after I had did all I could do, and all I could do was stand in that suffering and just keep rejoicing, on and on, keep rejoicing, the Lord redeemed that. And a buyer came. It was so amazing. And the property that I paid over $100,000 for, over a hundred, appraised for $25,000. And the people still bought it. And that's God's mercy and grace. Yes. So when you're receiving, and that's how you know I love that because my mom was going back all through these things and God has showed me that I have received that grace. Amen. What an awesome word, Lee. We appreciate the word today. Come on, stand to your feet with us. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. What an awesome God you are. Lord, you love us so much. Lord, I thank you for your grace, your supernatural love in action for us. That's your grace. Lord, we give you glory and honor. Bless these pastors in Jesus' name. Amen.